0: Welcome to the Addiction Connection podcast, connecting the hope of the gospel with the heart of addiction. I'm Mark Shaw, joined by Jim Quigley. Howdy, Jim. Howdy, Mark. Howdy. Howdy. Hey. Hey, <laughs> hey we're going to talk about a real serious subject that you and I are both going to uh, be tempted to go on rants about, and so we're, you know, we may we may rant this one out.
1: I don't know uh, why we, you would say that about I me. Mean, I never go on any kind of a rant whatsoever. I, yeah, I, don't, I, I don't struggle with that, Mark. So <laughs> You don't have a rant
0: disorder or disease? No. Not at all.
1: I take pills well, for that.
0: <laughs> Acts 19, verse 27. And in context, just for listeners, uh, this is this man named Demetrius, who's a silversmith, makes silver shrines. Of Artemis, which is a statue of Diana, represented a pagan worship and and you know prostitution, cult prostitution, so prostitution in front of people, you know, as a part of worship, all this wicked stuff uh, in uh, Ephesus and and um, and so I want to read this. This is Acts nineteen. I'm gonna start in verse twenty five because this kind of hits on what we're going to talk about in an, in an, in an interesting way. These, he gathered together with the workmen in similar trades and said, men. So this is uh, this is Demetrius talking to other silversmiths in their trade. So he's, this is not a Christian guy talking. He's talking to other silversmiths. He says, men, you know, that from this business, we have our wealth. All right. And you see and hear that not only in Ephesus, but in almost all of Asia, this Paul has persuaded and turned away a great many people saying that gods made with hands are not gods. Verse 27, and there is danger not only that this trade of ours may come into disrepute, but also that the temple of the great goddess Artemis may be counted as nothing, and that she may even be disposed from her magnificence, she whom all Asia and the world worship. And so they heard that, they were enraged and uh, really mad at Paul for preaching the gospel. And so I thought that was an interesting parallel into our topic today about psychotropic drugs and big pharma and all that's going on there. Um, and this the you know the censor police may try to censor this kind of thing. Um, but uh I, I think it's important for us to talk about. But uh our passage there, isn't it interesting that Demetrius is telling them, you know, guys, this hurts our wealth, but bigger than that, people are not gonna worship the goddess Artemis. And 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 this guy Paul's saying that these aren't real gods that we're making. How dare he? <laughs> I mean, the, the gall of Paul. So, launching into psychotropic meds, uh, a study, uh, a, a, an article came out in Psychology Today, secular article, not Christian, said that the deficiency of serotonin in the body that has believed to be causing depression is not true. That that's been a theory. And it's, it's been proven not to be true. In fact, they even did studies where people ate foods that, um, well, they didn't eat foods that that sparked serotonin production in their bodies, so they would have lower serotonin and they weren't depressed any more than the other group. And um, And so research is coming out. People are writing books. These aren't Christian people. And they're all trying to say now, we never believe the imbalance theory. We never believe that that serotonin was deficient in people and that's what was causing depression. Uh, But certainly they did and they were, and they were prescribing SSRI medication, psychotropic drugs uh, to help people who had a serotonin deficiency. And I'll say this before I let you rant. I mean, talk. Um, (laughs) You don't rant. I I forgot. Sorry. I don't do that Um, The, uh, the, um, I, I just went to the IABC conference and spoke and I asked everybody, I presented it in such a way. I said, have, have any of you heard of the uh, serotonin deficiency imbalance theory for depression and everyone in there raised their hand. And then I said, have you heard the latest research is showing that that that's not even true. It's not even a real thing. It was all along a theory, and it actually has been proven uh, not to be true, and they were shocked. These were counselors. These were people from around the country. I mean, not all of them. Some of them had already heard because they research and hear this. This is their area of interest. But a lot of people had not heard about this. So, Jim, take it away. What are some of your thoughts about this serotonin deficiency lie?
1: Well, so. I, you know, I've been on quite a journey with this. Uh, I'll just, just, just so everybody knows, I have personally been prescribed Prozac, um, Zoloft, uh, Lexapro, and uh, Celexa. Uh, I've been on Trazodone. Um, I, I, I mean, I, those are all, I think, the ones that I can remember that were primarily for depression, depression. Um, yeah. so, so I, I've taken, um, uh, a lot of these medications, um, this is personal for you personal. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, when I go on rants uh, and people were like, calm down, man, um, I have to be careful because I will get in the flesh. Cause I have, I'm, I guess I'm, I feel personally offended by, by mm-hmm. this because um, I was personally diagnosed bipolar disorder number two. Um, I, I was on, when I came to Freedom Farm, I had just left my third psychiatrist and I'm not, I'm not making this up. I was on Prozac. Um, I was on Seroquel, which is an antipsychotic medication. I was on the largest dose of Seroquel. You, you can take a 300 milligram pill that I was to take every night before bed. Uh, mm. I was on, I was on, uh, Prozac, Seroquil. I was on Klonopin for anxiety. Uh, I was given Suboxone for my, um, uh, for my problem with relapsing. Suboxone is a, is a, is an opiate. Um, but it has a feeling effect. We can talk about that on the Uh, I was also on Selexa and I think I was also on Respiridon, which was, something for anger, for anger. And I was on all those medications and uh, I had been prescribed those from another psychiatrist and just given increases in them, the more I would have episodes that would lead me to the hospital or into uh, seeing a psychiatrist again. They would just increase a lot of what I already had. Um, And just so everybody knows, I have not taken uh, a medication for almost 12 years now. Um, I stopped taking all of those meds and, um, and, uh, you know, so what does that have to say? Did my, did, did all of my diagnosis magically disappear Mm. or maybe, maybe you just see podcast Jim and I'm just a raving lunatic, uh, (laughs) and uncontrollable, uncontrollable all the time, but, but no, um. So I I, I say all that to say, I kind of have a personal, like I'm offended by that world because my visits to psychiatrists were 10 minutes. They never made eye contact. They just wrote, they just asked questions and wrote down things. And, uh, you know, it was, I mean, I really never believed anybody was really doing anything but going through some kind of a routine with me, you know. And it was all very normal. It's just you know there was people lined up in the office getting the same treatment as me, and I look back on that and I was like, man, that's that's just I don't know what those drugs are actually even doing to me. And this is what I this is where the offense comes in. I start learning about biblical counseling, and you in fact when you start studying biblical counseling, you start learning. I mean, you're just in that in that you're in that network, and you're learning about more about stuff. So I started to pay more attention um, about that world and, and their therapies and treatments. And they didn't know what those medications were doing me. They, uh, they cannot tell you for sure what those medications were doing to you. They can't, Mm -mm. um, you know, mechanism
0: of action is unknown is is what it will say. They don't know what it's
1: doing in your body. And specifically, when you say serotonin, right, serotonin level, um, right, for depression. So for depression, we're back on that. You know what? what you know, you're when you shared with all the counselors at the IAB IABC conference that we were at. Yeah. Um, when you shared with them, and they said, "Have you heard about this chemical imbalance? But Everybody raised their hand. That's in the article too. Ninety percent of people have, believe factual that depression is linked to a. Uh, deficiency of serotonin levels in your body, but right. you, uh, when I found out, they don't know what a normal serotonin level in a body is. No, right? They don't there is no there is no normal that they can say, hey, this is normal, and we can see you're below normal, so we're going to give you medication to bring you back up normal. There's no way to prove any of that. No, they can't give you a blood test. Um, to test what your serotonin levels are and if they were they still don't know what a normal level is right and right. they don't know if they give you the medication if it was increasing your serotonin levels so they've known that forever they've known that forever yeah and that is the one of the most offensive things because you know when people just they're just saying, "Oh yeah, this is a selective serotonin reuptake inhibitor, and this will increase serotonin levels in your body." They don't. They don't follow up with, "Well, we think that's what's going to happen. We hope that's what's going to happen. We're praying that's what." The, oh no, we don't pray because we don't believe that we need God in this. This pill is going to make you feel better, you know. So that right. that is that is that. When I start telling people that, they look at me and they're like. You've got to be just some kind of like fanatic, you know, right-wing fanatic or something. Because that's that can't possibly be true, Jim. Like, they have to know what a serotonin level is. They have to know that it increases. They, they have to know all those things. And it's like, no, they actually don't know that stuff. And that's scary. And, you know, what people, what most people, uh, what a lot of people don't know, too, is that uh, SSRIs, weren't they... I, I, now I'm speaking off the cuff, and I don't I don't know the facts about this, but I, I I don't know if it was the first if it was the first FDA drug to have to have a black box label put on it. Was it the first? FDA Prozac. Drug?
0: I think it was. Yeah, it definitely had a black box label.
1: Yeah, uh, the black box label saying that if you give this to people that are like youth. Um, it actually yeah. has a danger of increasing suicidal tendencies in people. Right. Increasing
0: right. it. Increasing it. You're suicidal. Here's a black box drug. It might
1: make you more suicidal. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe not. It also it also might increase your serotonin levels, but it might not. But now they're just saying, you know what? Serotonin and, and the imbalance of it, we're just saying that has nothing to do with depression now. Yeah. I mean, they've literally... I mean, I, the first time I was given... This was probably illegal, but the first time I was given Prozac, I was 12 years old. The first time I was given Prozac, I'm 46, I'm 46 years old. Wow. So 34 years ago, I was given my first Prozac and, um, and, uh, that, that drug has been around and, uh, now after 34 years, 90% of the people in this country are convinced that, serotonin deficiency is a cause of depression. And now the people that were doing all of this all wrong are saying, yeah, we got that one wrong. Yeah. The, the word that keeps the, the phrase that keeps coming to mind is I wonder if, if this is going to be kind of like the beginning of the end for that whole world, you know? I mean, there's an old thing people don't realize like psychiatry has not been around that long. OK, when it comes to the sciences, it's pretty new. Yeah. And um, and uh, so this stuff is still in the very beginning stages of of, of medicine and and uh, and science and all that stuff. And I kind of wonder if we're going to discover uh, more and more that the emperor just has no clothes here. You know, um, the. Uh, oh, I think you froze up there. Did I? No, no, you didn't. Um, Anyway, uh, I think, you know, I wrote, I wrote a thing on Facebook about uh, when I, when I put this article on there and I said uh, on Facebook, I said, I wonder, I wonder what kind of traction we're going to get once we start hearing the stories of how these medications have harmed people. You know, nobody's talking about that yet. Right. At this point, we're saying, Hey, you know what? It It really wasn't, it wasn't. It has nothing to do with depression, but millions Didn't of work. people are on this medication. And what happens if you stop taking this medication? You go right. through physical withdrawal. I mean, so it's obviously doing something to your body. I mean, oh, yeah. You, you go through painful withdrawal on some of these medications.
0: You know, you, you, you're you raising an interesting point. And um, 33, almost 33 years ago, September 14th, 1989 the largest mass shooting ever in the state of Kentucky, where I live 47 year old guy killed eight people and injured 12 at his former workplace before he committed suicide. So he went in deadliest mass shooting in Kentucky history. And there, and the reason I know is about 33 years ago, cause it's, it's we're close to September now is that Eli Lilly and the manufa- and their company, the manufacturers of Prozac, reportedly paid each family $100,000 in 1989, which was a, a gobs of money. I mean, it's a lot of money now. But back then, it was a lot of money. Big settlement. with Every family in there, and the agreement was, we're going to keep it quiet for 30 years. You can't talk about Prozac and this guy uh, being on it. And so they, whoever, you know, ha- however many families, whatever they, they agreed, they all got hundred grand and it didn't come out until a few years ago after the 30 year, um, see, you know, ceiling, whatever the, the right term for that is. Once it was able to be talked about and open, then it came out that, oh, this guy was on Prozac. Well, wouldn't it have been nice to know 30 years ago, Yeah. but it didn't come out, you know, and, and I read an article and then somebody told me about something Tucker Carlson did. I, I haven't seen it about um, uh, all uh, I read were like 75% of mass shooters are on 30 to 40 different medications. I mean, it's only... It's only like 30 or 40 of them. And so most of your mass shooters are on those kinds of psychotropic meds. And you named a bunch that you were on. I didn't know all that, man. They were giving you everything, uh, including, you know, Seroquel, but you were on, you were on, uh, all those drugs and, uh, and I've had friends tell me and people in counseling tell me when I'm on Prozac, I'm more suicidal or when I'm on this med, I hear voices And now they're saying the antipsychotic drugs induce Parkinson's disease for people. And so you and I are David's going up against Goliath. My concern is with the psychotropic drugs.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I actually, uh, I won't mention his name, but a professor that you and I both know um, that teaches a class on, um, on uh, 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 count biblical counseling and physiology um, I believe during his class, uh, he shared with us that just in the recent years, uh, I guess it's Eli Lilly, you said, makes Prozac? They did, yeah, in 89. Yeah, through FOIA requests, uh, Freedom of Information. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. They were able to go back and see the original FDA um, process when it came to Prozac. And back then, the process was they had to give two, two studies, they had to show two, proof of, from two studies that this was uh, an effective uh, drug. And so they did, they, they showed two studies that they did, where I think it was reported 40, 42 or 44% of people uh, reported uh, symptom relief by taking the medication. And uh, so that's how Prozac originally got onto the market. But the Freedom of Information Act request uh, showed that there was something like eight or 12 other studies that they did that showed the opposite. Wow. So they cherry picked the two and got it on the market when they had all these other ones that showed the opposite. Mm. Wow. Pretty, uh, Pretty crazy. Yeah.
0: Oh, well, and, and, you know, in, in reading about that shooting, I mean, the guy just walks in, he shoots people. He's, he's just, uh, he's kind of zombied out, you know, he's numb to what's going on and just sort of, and sh- surely he's accountable for his choices. We get that, but how much did these drugs or Prozac in this case impact him and influence his thought uh, you know, I, I don't know, but I think there's some culpability
1: there, some responsibility for the drug companies. But the scary thing is, and just that statement, like I would not, I would not feel comfortable blaming that drug. I don't, you like you said, I don't know, but they don't know either. That's the thing. Like they yeah. don't know the people that got it in the market, the people that prescribe it, they don't really know. That's the scary thing. They just think, they just, It's possible. It's, you know, I mean, where, where, where do, where do these doctors uh, that prescribe these medications, where, what is the basis of their justification for giving them? It's all self-reporting from the individual taking the drug. Right, right. That's really the only basis that they use to justify these medications, right? Mm Mm-hmm. So, okay we just gave you this thing and we think it does this how do you feel well I don't feel as anxious anymore that, as I did okay great you know it's working you know yeah um, but you know and I know I'm making a much more simplistic argument to something that is probably more complicated oh, well not probably that that is more complicated but um, but uh, you know that I'm not being simplistic by saying that ultimately, they don't know because they can't test these levels they can't they can't test the efficacy of the drug beyond self-reporting they, they, uh, they don't know uh, uh, what other parts of the brain are that it may be affecting because they're not looking for it to affect those other parts of the brain you know it kind of reminds you of the, the big claim to fame when they said that, that the human genome project is that what it's called the the human genome project where they were going to be able to get the uh, dna all mapped out and then they were just going to cure everything you know yeah. um and you know what happened <laughs> so uh imagine that you know i mean a lot of this stuff is can you cure uh people's desires that come from your heart or do we need a supernatural life-giving spirit to give us a new heart and to give us, uh, the enablement to, uh, to change and transform, you know, uh, I I would, I'm going with God on this one. (laughs) Yes.
0: Well, I think, uh, the article that Tucker Carlson
1: did and it was, uh, Oh, uh, let me pull it up. He, he actually his, I heard he attacks uh, the Alzheimer's medications they're giving out too. He says that Well
0: Yeah, that's a that's something else I want to talk to you about. So Tucker Carlson, drugs are not the answer to every human problem. That's the name of this article. And then he has a video about that where yeah. drugs are not the answer to every human problem. But so I'm I'm glad. I don't think he's a believer, but he's he claims
1: a, to be an Episcopalian. Oh, okay. Yeah, I've heard statement. him say that many times. So, oh, okay. Well, yeah,
0: I don't really watch him, um, but uh, he's kind of popular. But you know, so the Alzheimer's study—I just pulled that up in uh, 2006. There was apparently a big study that uh, on Alzheimer's and what was causing it and so forth. Well, a scientist who is, I think his name is Shrag. he's 37. He is a whistleblower who did some sleuthing and saw that there's possible misconduct. I want to be careful how I say this, but uh, that they had falsified or, or made the, the statement the medical study, the the way that they were doing it made it look like uh it was, you know, lit up and and brighter than it really was. Mm. And uh and this kind of thing didn't happen by accident. And so, you know, he's he's calling them out and other people are starting to research it and say, yeah, here we uh we thought this study was accurate. It's not probably falsified as the is the uh, conclusion that I'm making from reading this. And here's the thing: billions of dollars went down this path following this 2006 article that was published, and they just poured money into research uh, on something that wasn't even true. Uh, so, again, taxpayer dollars spent, you know, um, just frivolously, really. No, uh, no, they didn't. They didn't mean for it to be that. That's the way it ended up. At the time, they felt okay. Let's follow this lead. Let's follow this research. Uh, but this evidence-based research myth that everything needs to be evidence-based is exactly that. And so now, you know, all these years—that's 16 years ago—there's been lots of research that's been done under a false pretense that's gone the wrong direction. Whereas that those monies could have gone into studying Alzheimer's and trying to really help people. Um, and, and, and it's just, it's just sad to me uh, that to read this kind of thing, but again, we can't have hope in any human institution or organization or entity, even our own government, our own, you know, this and that in government. I mean, we don't need to have hope in any of that. My only hope is in, is in Jesus Christ.
1: Mm. Yeah. Amen, brother. Amen. The, um, the, the human, (laughs) the, the human nature factor in pretty much anything, um, uh, must be considered. And that's another thing that, um, that's, that's pretty, pretty hard, uh, as a, as a believer to, to deal with because the secular world for the most part believes in the inherent goodness of human beings, um, that everybody, you know uh really has everybody's best interests at heart which doesn't doesn't uh, line up with scripture at all but the the problem is is that i mean i wouldn't put a number on it but i would say that a large part of christianity uh, self-professing christians believe the same thing like that most most people are people are all inherently good and you know have everybody's best interests at heart so a lot of times the fact that doesn't factor into large, you know, large studies and, and whatnot when there's lots of money involved, like you said, um, you know, uh, we know from scripture that uh, money is a root of all kinds of evil. And so uh, you know, it doesn't it doesn't shock me when I hear it saddens me, like you said, that people that have been uh, tempted with uh, large sums of money will do anything to keep it flowing. And they'll even falsify documents on something that people, if anybody, if anybody's ever had a loved one that has Alzheimer's or, you know, dementia or anything like that, it's probably one of the saddest diseases I've, I've ever seen, you know, Um, and and to watch people talk about it and to watch people talk about their loved ones that are currently struggling with it or, or did it, your heart breaks for them, you know. Um, yeah. It's a, a, oh, go ahead. I was going to say I'm in a Bible study on Wednesdays with a gentleman that just lost his wife, mm. and he co- he come to pray with us on Wednesdays, and he said, "My wife hasn't known who I was for the past three years. You yeah. know, and she almost she almost screams and gets scared when I come in the room. Wow. And they they were living at a an assisted living facility together. He had his own room because mm. he lived right next to her, and it's just yeah. so sad, you know.
0: Yeah, we, we've had uh, two gentlemen who've lost their wives and uh, Alzheimer's, I think, was at play. It is sad. And, um, and you know, it's, it's a real neurological, physiological problem. It gets lumped into the DSM, which kind of gives the DSM more uh, credence and believability because that's an actual real situation, you know, where some of these other labels are just constructs and ideas and theories that one, Alzheimer's, is real and it tends to make <clears throat> the DSM. Um, and they, and you know, I'm sad when the, the money is wasted because they could have found some things that might have helped or, you know, who, who knows. But um, here's what the article said Some look like, talking about the research, uh, some look like shockingly blatant. That's what the article quotes examples of image tampering, says Donna Wilcock, an Alzheimer's expert at the University of Kentucky, the state I live in. The authors appeared to have composed figures by piecing together parts of photos from different experiments, Mm -hmm. says another molecular biologist. And so the obtained experimental results might not have been the desired results and that data might have been changed to better fit a hypothesis. So that's the 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 claim. And and these are people that are researching it, looking at it, and and saying this just uh, was fudged. It was yeah. you know to fit the narrative, to fit the hypothesis that they wanted it to fit.
1: So I just saw, uh, I just saw a, a documentary uh, a mini series on that I don't know on, on something very similar did you see uh did you see that thing? I think it's on Netflix or Hulu or something You know, you know that that Elizabeth smart oh yeah that? yeah you ever watch that that series on her part of it yeah 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 I mean basically you know she had this invention and and uh, she kept claiming you know making all these claims and just getting people to pour in all kinds of money to it. And it never worked. It was never going to work. Yeah. And, and she just kept lying and fudging. And yeah, I mean, and then, I mean, it wasn't her alone you had to have a lot of people helping her out with that, you know, right. to be able to do that. So, I mean, it right. was all that, that was all driven by money and pride and, you know, it's like, uh, people will go to some amazing links, man. They, they will.
0: Well, one more uh, little article to talk about, and then we'll wrap up there. Um, there was a lady named Lonnie Willison. Have you ever heard of her? I had not. Oh, no. People send me these kind of things, and it's good. It The, the name of the article, is: she used to be one of Hollywood's elite, but now she's living on the streets. And this mm-hmm. was, it came out August 1st, 2022. Her name was Lonnie Willison. She was a celebrity just a few years ago, 37-year-old woman now, famously married to Baywatch star Jeremy Jackson from 2012 to 2014. In the article, he divorced her. It sounds like she's kind of hurt and bitter by that, which divorce is so awful. It is so Mm. painful. We just kind of, oh, they're divorced, you know, know? but it's painful. Um, and so they spotted her on the streets. Uh, I think I think she was asking for money. She's homeless, has been homeless since 2016. Began experimenting with drugs, crystal meth, got addicted. Life began to spiral out of control. She reported everything crumbled because of drugs. She lost two jobs, uh, and her mental health was going down the toilet. That's what the article says. Mm. Uh, and you know she was begging on the street wearing a baseball cap and they have pictures of her like now and and before i mean just stark contrast in the in the way she looks now versus how she looked then she didn't want to talk about her husband or divorce, ex-husband and she's and here's what she said this is what i wanted to bring up she says i can live on my own i've got everything i need right here so she's homeless hmm. Nobody really cares about me, and I don't want to see them. They don't want to see me. I haven't got a cell phone. I've got food. I've got a place to sleep. I get money here and there. There's food in the bins and near the stores. There's lots here. And then she says at the very end, I lost two jobs. Uh, here. The last thing, so a drug rehab specialist named Larry Marinelli the owner of True Intention Sober Living Home uh, tried to help her. He offered to help her, and tried to give her a plan to help her battle her addiction. She refused and was back on the street within 24 hours. Mm. And that's how it ends. Ugh. So so your, uh, your thoughts about this very sad, all, all these articles are sad. In, in this case it made the news because somebody saw her living homelessly on the streets versus she was a, a model,
1: uh, years ago, Yeah, you know, 15 years ago. Yeah, that, that, that's, uh, um, so that, that is a, that is a, uh, a real illustration on why your hope should not be in that they're going to, um, they're going to take away uh be able to find some some medication or something to take away uh the desire right Um, right because you know uh this has always been the 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 mystery that people just can't understand when they look through uh human beings on like a biological lens that struggle with addiction right so you get somebody like this person And, you know, back in the days before, um, you know, there was Alcoholics Anonymous and things like that, you know, uh, you would get, you would get people that, that would, uh, that would, you know, drink themselves into these, these desperate, you know, pits of basically bondage. Right. And they would hospitalize them. They would, they would, they would, they would would nourish them. They would see them, they would see them, uh, um, Uh, bounce back to health and they would be like people with great personalities and you know you would you would just get them and you know you talk about with them about what their life was like before they brought them into the hospital how they were like living in a ditch and uh and uh, you know after months of treatment in the hospital and renourishment and all that kind of stuff they would say now this guy would never go back to doing that again, you know, they would never go back to, uh, that lifestyle. If taking a drink would bring them there. Now they let them out and what would happen, you know, within 24 hours, they would be drunk again, you know, mm-hmm. um, and they were 24 hours ago telling you they would never want to do that ever again,
0: ever again. I'm never going back.
1: Right. Yeah. So how do you explain that? You know, how do you explain that to somebody? Because I could literally, if if the, if, you know, there, there, you and I would both say there are, there are definite physical components to addiction, right? Like if I shoot heroin for any period of time, I'm going to be physically dependent on it. And if I don't have it, then I'm going to want it. And my body's going to scream for it. Right. And I could be in the most miserable state in the world. And not really even want to do that but i kind of have to do it or else i'm going to be sick right same thing with alcohol alcohol is even worse actually if you're dependent on alcohol uh you actually can't just stop you have to actually be medically detoxed from alcohol because it's dangerous so anyway um, but after going through all that misery um and getting healthy again um, you know, it, it, if that was the answer was that, that the physical desire or the physical pull was just so strong that that uh, they, they were trapped in it. You can untrap people from that, right? You could do that. You could lock them in a facility and keep them there for a year and give them great education and, and, and uh, all the food and exercise they want. And then as soon as you let them out, what's going to happen? That's the thing they can't, that that's the thing they can't figure out. And now they want to tell you it's this, this strong urge and a strong desire. Really? Is that going to be what it is? I mean, someone that's been, that's gotten all their health back. And are you saying that there's a, there's such a physical pull after one year of being away from that substance or however much time you want to put in that they can't say no no, there's a whole bunch of things that go and like they they not they, they 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 may have a desire, right, Mark? But do yeah. they do they tell anybody they have a desire? Nope, they don't. How many steps do they have to do? They have to take in order to go after that desire. You know what I mean? Right. There's there's it's not just like oh I got this desire and I'm like you know following it like a zombie. There's all kinds of steps that have to go in play. Exactly. They, they, they will say, I have this desire, but my life got ruined last time, and they have to make a choice. They're like, I have a desire, but you know I don't have money in my pocket, so I have to go to the ATM. I have a desire, but I have to call up my drug dealer in order to meet them at this place, and I have to get a car, and I have to put gas in it, and I have to go there, and I have to get my paraphernalia, and I have to do all of that stuff. So there's all kinds of choices that are made all along the way. And they're, until they start realizing, why is somebody doing that? You know, why is somebody doing that? Which we need to, to help people uh, talk about their motivations, their, their heart's desires and, and where their desires should be and where they should be going to, um, how their life should be motivated. And God has those answers. The world doesn't have those answers, right? No. The world doesn't have those answers. They will tell you actually probably the opposite stuff. Like, you know, you just need to think more positively about yourself, and you need to, you need to, uh, you know, there's, there's all kinds of self help stuff that all comes involved there. They try to fix you there. So, so yeah, um, th- this is a living example of something that's very, very sad. But ultimately, um, nobody's pointing that that person. To uh, where where her desire should be, no one knowing helping her, helping speak to the heart, motivate her heart motivation. Nobody is probably praying that she needs a new heart. You know,
0: yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Is we need to pray for her, and then you look at nobody loves me. Well, that's why the local church is so important. We offer love, the love of Christ, and really we should be functioning to love each other. That's why I think people do like the 12 step meetings. They feel acceptance and some measure of love in those Absolutely. meetings. And so we want to be as a church body, someone who loves this young lady who isn't just trying to take advantage of her. I mean, you know um, sounds like she was discarded by her husband. Maybe there's more to that story. I don't know, but it sounds like she didn't want the divorce. But uh, one of the things I get to do is meet with people and try to encourage them, please don't divorce. You know, at this point, let's try to work. And we're talking about regular marriage problems, you know, not, not severe issues and stuff that may warrant a divorce, you know, biblical grounds for divorce. But I can talk to people and say, you know, let's give it a shot. Let's go for this. Let's come alongside and assign people in my church to meet with them and to talk with them, encourage them and love them. And so, you know, Lonnie Willison is her name. Uh, she was the Australian glam fit magazine cover girl at one point in her life and is now, you know, struggling a- as a homeless person and not even struggling. She's just living as a homeless person um, and, and refusing help, but it's not the kind of help that you and I can offer through our programs and our churches I know your program's connected to the church. We have the answer. We have it's not us, it's Christ and his body, the local church, for people like Lonnie. Mm. And so I bring that up. And I appreciate what you do at Carries Home or Carry Home. You you say carry home. Carries.
1: Carries. (laughs) Carries. Carries. And it. It's spelled really funny. It's spelled K-A-R-I-S.
0: K-A-R-I-S carries home. Yep. Carries home. Is it apostrophe S? Mm-hmm. Carries home. Yeah. So it's carries home. Yeah. Well, I said it right. Look at me. And I doubted myself, said it wrong three times, but, uh, <laughs> but I appreciate the work you're doing there with, with women. Uh, it's, it's hard. I mean, men or women, it's hard. Um, but having an addiction program where you're discipling people who are, Um, kind of like Lonnie, like they don't feel loved. They are living on the streets. Uh, they're doing, making all kinds of choices and it can be an overwhelming sense of guilt and shame. And we want to help take that away through Jesus Christ. We can't take it away, but we want to help those ladies, uh, to see that they are made in the image of God, that they have purpose, that they have value, that, that, yeah, maybe people, their ex-husband, their World, whatever hasn't valued them, but we value and love them and want to help them. And so I uh, appreciate Carrie's home and all the work you do there, Jim. Thank you.
1: Yeah, and that caveat you you like you were just saying, you know, that's a uh, 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 you know the attraction to a lot of the uh, AA meetings and things like that are that there are people that ultimately want to care for you and and love you, and you see. Uh, there's a, there's, there's quite a few still stories like that. There's one in the NBA, one of the famous ex NBA guys, he's like homeless and like mm. other, other NBA guys are trying to like kind of bring him back in and bring him to practice and stuff like that. i forgot got the name. I, I have to look it up later, but ultimately um, uh, that stuff will, 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 will not suffice. Like I can't love somebody into sobriety. I, I, I love them because that's what God called me to do, but I need to point them to where their love needs to come from so that's where the, the a lot of these other things are left are, are are they leave people and they will ultimately fail because you can't love someone like God can love them you can't you can't work on someone's heart or encourage them like only God like God can so we are vessels to point people we love people yes make yeah. them feel wanted yes but we ultimately can't be their savior. They need him. So,
0: yeah, I'm going to a counseling meeting after this, and I'm going to be praying Lord, I need you to show them your love. I need you to work in their hearts. I need you, you know, I'm going to do all I can. Um, and, and I believe he works through me. And yes, I can be loving and that kind of thing. But God, I need you to really do a work here in this, in this heart. And, um, and I love that because he does, he's faithful not, you know, not maybe as quickly as I want or, you know, whatever, but he definitely is faithful to do whatever he wants to do. And I'm just praying, crying out and he is a good God. He is loving. So we'll pray for this Lonnie. Don't know her, but uh, it's very sad to read that or the NBA, person you mentioned or ex-NFL players or whoever, baseball players. I mean, you know, they they become celebrities and uh, and the world just thinks that they should be perfect because they're celebrities. They have it all, you know, the good looks, the money, the this, the that. That's the all that they have when we know really all you need is a relationship where you're placing your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and him alone. That's all you need. That's really what being a celebrity is all about is you have Jesus Christ and you don't have to to strive for fame and money and all that kind of stuff. So all right. Well, Jim, thank you, brother, for being on here helping me do this podcast.
1: Always fun, man. Always a pleasure.
0: Yes. And we um, we will do it again. So we're I hope so. I, unless you know, unless we get censored or canceled, that can no. always
1: happen. <laughs> yeah, especially with what you things you say.
0: <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. I have uh, been censored and canceled now twice in my life, so mm. they've they've gotten me twice. But I wear that as a badge of honor. So, <laughs> all right. Well, take care and God bless.
1: God bless.